Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call Poets Corner. Today's feature is from Book 9, Part 21 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 218 is entitled Temptation of Eve, Part A. In the preface to Book 9, Milton presents the following abstract. Adam at last yields. The serpent finds her alone. His subtle approach, first gazing, then speaking, with much flattery extolling Eve above all other creatures. Eve, wondering to hear the serpent speak, asks how he attained to human speech and such understanding, not tell how. The serpent answers that. By tasting of a certain tree in the garden, he attained both to speech and reason, till then void of both. Having won the argument, Eve separates from Adam. Thus saying, from her husband's hand, her hand soft she withdrew, and like a wood nymph, light, oread, or dryad, or Delia's train, betook her to the groves. Adam pleads with Eve to return soon. Her long with ardent look his eyes pursued, delighted, but desiring more her stay. Oft he to her his charge of quick return repeated. She to him is oft engaged to be returned by noon amid the bower, and all things in best order to invite noontide repast or afternoon repose. Eve ignores Adam's pleas little knowing that this was a journey from which she could never return. The physical difference would be but a short walk, but the spiritual difference would be eternally defining. Milton captures the mystery of the severance of sin and how earth-shaking and divisive sin is in our lives. O much deceived, much failing, hapless Eve, of thy presumed return, event perverse, Thou never from that hour in paradise foundest either sweet repast or fond repose. Such ambush hid among sweet flowers and shades waited with hellish rancor imminent to intercept thy way or send thee back despoiled of innocence, of faith, of bliss. Eve was unaware that Satan, in the body of a serpent, was lying in wait. The astonished serpent was thrilled to find Eve alone. For now, and since first break of dawn, the fiend, mere serpent in appearance, forth was come, and on his quest, where likeliest he might find the only two of mankind, but in them the whole included race, his purpose prey. In bower and field he sought, where any tuft of grove or garden plot more pleasant lay, their tendance or plantation for delight. By fountain or by shady rivulet he sought them both, but wished his hap might find Eve separate. He wished, but not with hope, of what so seldom chanced. When to his wish beyond his hope 
eaves separate he spies, veiled in a cloud of fragrance where she stood, half spied, so thick the roses bushing round her glowed, off stooping to support each flower of slender stalk, whose head though gay, carnation, purple, azure, or specked with gold, hung drooping, unsustained. Them she upstays gently with myrtle band, mindless the while herself, though fairest unsupported flower, from her best prop so far, and storm so nigh. Nearer he drew, and many a walk traversed of stateliest covert cedar, pine, or palm. Then voluble and bold, now hid, now seen, among thick-woven arabits and flowers embroidered on each bank, the hand of Eve. For the first time Satan is nonplussed and speechless. He had never beheld such beauty. For a moment he is immobilized and abstracted. What pleasing seemed, for her now pleases more, she most, and in her look sums all delight. Such pleasure took the serpent to behold this flowery plat, the sweet recess of Eve thus early, thus alone. Her heavenly form angelic, but more soft and feminine, her graceful innocence, her every air of gesture or least action, overrod his malice, and with rapine sweet bereaved his fierceness of the fierce intent he brought. That space the evil one abstracted stood from his own evil, and for the time remained stupidly good, of enmity disarmed, of guile, of hate, of envy, of revenge. However, the stupor does not last long, because even in the serenity of the Garden of Eden, Satan himself is still in hell, because he carries hell within, and though he may remove himself from the place, he cannot remove himself from the eternal torment. But the hot hell that always in him burns, though in mid-heaven, soon ended his delight, and tortures him now more, the more he sees of pleasure not for him ordained, then soon fierce hate he recollects, and all his thoughts of mischief, gratulating, thus excites. Satan is incapable of feeling joy. Joy in others fills him with greater hate, born out of a jealous rage. He feels a desire to destroy the happiness of others, that they may feel his torment. Thoughts, whither hath he led me, with what sweet compulsion thus transported to forget what hither brought us, hate, not love, nor hope of paradise for hell. Hope here to taste of pleasure, but all pleasure to destroy save what is in destroying others' joy to me is lost. Milton appears to grasp the image of total evil. Milton Satan personifies evil. Satan is incapable of good. He is incapable of feeling joy or happiness. He embodies the opposite of all virtues. He is the complete antichrist. He wishes to destroy all happiness in others. Then let me not let pass occasion which now smiles. Behold alone the woman, opportune to all attempts, her husband, for I view far round, not nigh, whose higher intellectual more I shun, and strength of courage haughty, and of limb heroic built, though of terrestrial mold, 
foe not informidable, exempt from wound I not. So much hath hell debased and pain enfeebled me to what I was in heaven. She fair, divinely fair, fit love for gods, not terrible, though terror be in love and beauty, not approached by stronger hate, hate stronger, under show of love well feigned, the way which to her ruin now I tend. Satan, upon observing the perfection of Eve, becomes her sworn enemy simply because she is a creation of Christ, whom he hates. His hatred is fed by the fact that he can never have what God has given to mankind. So spake the enemy of mankind, enclosed in serpent, inmate bad, and toward Eve addressed his way, not with indented wave prone on the ground, as sense, but on his rear circular based of rising folds, that towered fold above fold a surging maze, his head crested aloft, and carbuncle his eyes. With burnished neck of verdant gold, erect amid his circling spires, that on the grass floated redundant, pleasing was his shape, and lovely, never since of serpent kind lovelier. Satan makes even the lowliest serpent appear beguiling, exotic, and luring. He catches Eve's eye in his hypnotic dance. So varied he, and of his tortuous train curled many a wanton wreath inside of Eve to lure her eye. She busied, heard the sound of rustling leaves, but minded not, as used to such disport before her through the field from every beast, more duteous at her call than at Circean call the herd disguised. He bolder now, uncalled before her stood, but as in gaze admiring, oft he bowed his turrent crest and sleek enameled neck, fawning, and licked the ground whereon she trod. His gentle dumb expression turned at length the eye of Eve to mark his play. He glad of her attention gained, with serpent tongue organic, or impulse of vocal air, his fraudulent temptation thus began. Satan flatters Eve. Wonder not, sovereign mistress, if perhaps thou cast, who art so wonder much less arm thy looks, the heaven of mildness with disdain, Displeased that I approach thee thus, and gaze insatiate I thus single. Nor have feared thy awful brow, more awful thus retired, fairest resemblance of thy maker fair, thee all living things gaze on, all things thine by gift, and thy celestial beauty adore with ravishment behold, there best beheld where universally admired, but here, in this enclosure wild, these beasts among beholders rude, and shallow to discern half what in thee is fair, one man except who sees thee. And what is one, who shouldest be seen a goddess among gods, adored and served by angels numberless, thy daily train? Eve finds herself susceptible to Satan's flattery. Eve knew that Satan was in the garden. She had been warned, but she was not prepared for the serpent with a silvery tongue. She suspects nothing. She innocently addresses the serpent. 
So glows the tempter, and his proem turned. Into the heart of Eve his words made way, though at the voice much marveling. At length, not unamazed, she thus in answer spake. What may this mean? Language of man pronounced by tongue of brute, and human sense expressed? The first at least of these I thought denied to beasts, whom God on their creation day created mute to all articulate sound. The latter I demur, for in their looks much reason, and in their actions oft appears. The serpent, subtlest beast of all the field I knew, but not with human voice endued, redouble then this miracle, and say, How comest thou speakable of mute? And how to me so friendly grown above the rest of brutal kind that daily are in sight? Say, for such wonder claims attention due. Satan senses her weakness and continues his flattery. Cunningly, he takes advantage of the moment and gives credit of his strange powers of speech to the fact that he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. To whom the guileful tempter thus replied, Empress of this fair world, resplendent Eve, easy to me it is to tell thee all what thou commandest, and right thou shouldest be obeyed. I was at first as other beasts that gazed the trodden herb of abject thought and low, as was my food, nor aught but food discerned or sex and apprehended nothing high. Till on a day roving the field, I chanced a goodly tree far distant to behold, loaden with fruit of fairest colors mixed, ruddy and gold. I nearer drew to gaze when from the boughs a savory odor blown, grateful to appetite, more pleased my senses than smell of sweetest fennel, or of the teats of you, or goat droppings with milk at even, unsucked of lamb or kid that tend their play. To satisfy the sharp desire I had of tasting those fair apples, I resolved not to defer hunger and thirst at once, powerful persuaders, quickened at the scent of that alluring fruit, urged me so keen. About the mossy trunk I wound me soon, for high from ground the branches would require thy utmost reach or atoms. Round the tree all other beasts that saw with like desire, longing and envying stood, but could not reach. Amid the tree now got, where plenty hung tempting so nigh, to pluck and eat my fill I spared not, for such pleasure till that hour at feed or fountain never had I found. Sated at length, ere long I might perceive strange alterations in me, to degrees of reason in my inward powers, and speech wanted not long, though to this shape retained. There, with guile, he introduced the tree of knowledge of good and evil, not Lucifer who was cast out of heaven for trying to overthrow the throne of God, but as a beguiling serpent with glossing lies. He then turns back to flattery. Thenceforth to speculations high or deep I turned my thoughts, and with capacious mind considered all things visible in heaven, or earth, or middle, all things fair and good, but all that fair and good in thine divine semblance and in the beauty's heavenly ray united I beheld, 
no fair to thine equivalent or second, which compelled me thus, though importune perhaps to come and gaze and worship thee of right declared sovereign of creatures, universal dame. Thus, with guile, Satan introduces the tree of knowledge of good and evil to Eve. Using the body of the serpent, he caused her to let her guard down. Eve knew that she was forbidden to eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. However, Satan presented it in a different light. In Podcast 223, we shall continue with Milton's Paradise Lost, Temptation of Eve, Part B. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.